severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello, hello. Welcome back to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I'm, of course, your host, Jamie McKinley. And we're recording this week's intro quite late in the day. It's it's nearly midnight. I've been out for a friend's birthday, so I got in and I was like, oh my God, I haven't recorded this week's intro yet. I should probably do that now. So massive apologies for the delay in sending these over, Elliot. I'll get them to you momentarily. But yeah, it's it's really weird recording this late because it's just quite calm. It's very quiet. I'm having to sort of whisper a bit into the mic because my flatmates are sleeping. But we have got a brilliant episode in store for you this week. I'm really excited for you to hear this one. I recorded this week's episode back in March. And this week on the podcast, I'm thrilled to be joined by performance coach and vocal massage therapist, Connor O'Boyle. And I had the pleasure of meeting Connor about six or seven months ago when I was in London through Joe Neil, who of course has been on this podcast many times and is a dear friend of the podcast and Joe said to me like you need to get Connor on this podcast he's amazing what he does is incredible and I've, I've sold instantly Connor is a great guy and it was incredible to sort of have someone like him on the podcast we got to speak about mental health and health well-being and stuff and how important sort of mental well-being is for performing well as a creative and it was an amazing conversation just to hear about his sort of tips on how like he sort of helps performers to live at their best lives basically and empowers them to sort of have a happy and healthy life it was really really cool to sort of speak about that which we'd never really got to do on the podcast so this week's episode is a bit different and it's a bit longer than usual but it was a brilliant conversation it was really interesting to sort of speak to Connor I mean also got to chat to him about his sort of early career because he used to work in theatre as well as an actor and tech and stuff so yeah it was it was such an inspiring conversation one of the most powerful conversations I think I've got to have on this podcast as well I mean I've had some brilliant conversations over the last 79 episodes so as well if you're a new listener be sure to go back and check out some of the older episodes as well but yeah the conversation today with Connor it was incredibly inspiring and i'm really really proud of this episode so i very much hope you enjoy massive shout out to connor again for his time what else is there to say um yeah as always if you're enjoying the podcast remember we're independent podcast so be sure to like and share this on social media subscribe to wherever you're listening just tell friends and family to listen we also have a patreon page and all the money we make goes back into the upkeep of this podcast but anyway it is a longer episode anyway so i'll stop rambling on and it's quite late it's quite nice whispering into the mic though it feels quite calm anyway i hope you all have a lovely week i hope you take something away from this week's episode it's as i say it's a really really inspiring one but anyway without much further ado i hope you enjoy episode 79 of just get a real job with performance coach and vocal massage therapist connor o'boyle good evening connor how are you doing it's nice to see you mate yeah great to see you not too bad at all keeping well yeah so for the listeners like obviously so i met you last november mm-hmm. which is we're just saying off air which is crazy that how long ago that was because yeah. it feels like yesterday but so obviously joe who's been on this podcast a couple of times as a regular you used to work mm-hmm. at a pub with him and he was basically mm-hmm. connor is this really interesting guy you should definitely get him on his podcast you told me what you do and instantly i was sold i'm like yes we'll get you on <laughs> at some point so five months later we finally made this happen which i'm really excited about <laughs> 
Yeah, I, you gotta love Joe. He's he's the best hype man going. Oh, he's such you know? a good hype man. He's honestly given us so many guests in this podcast. All Irish as well, which I love. It's like a fit. All of yeah, them are yeah. Irish. I can't wait till he yeah. recommends something that isn't Irish. I'm like, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? What's this madness, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Connor, before we sort of get into the normal podcast format and stuff, I just thought it might be mm-hmm. nice for you to sort of tell the listeners a bit about what you do. Obviously, we'll get into more details as we go on, but like what you mm-hmm. do is quite interesting. And we've definitely not had anyone like yourself on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I am a performance coach for performing artists. So essentially, I suppose my job is primarily working with individuals, looking at their mindset, looking at the systems they have in their lives, how I can help them build systems that make them work more efficiently. I do study on like some basic neuroscience and stuff like that as well to understand, look, how can we learn more efficiently? How can you rest more efficiently? How can you essentially, I kind of work off building the life you want to lead. So I kind of very much say to an individual, what is the life you want to lead? How can I help you build that? And I suppose that's kind of the, the, the short and fast way of thing of what I do. That was very articulate, very to the point. No, I like it. I like it. It's good. Well, I've got some pretty interesting questions about things, what you were just saying about like how people can live the life they want to lead and about well-being mm. and mental health, things like that, that we maybe mm. haven't had a chance to talk about on this podcast yet with somebody who's maybe like yourself, a bit more expert in it and a bit more like knowledgeable in it. So mm. I'll sort of come into that stuff a bit later on, but I'd like to start this podcast by sort of asking all our guests what their earliest creative memories was. And obviously I know you also in the past have mm. acted and stuff and been a performer as well. So you obviously have mm-hmm. had that side of things well so do you remember Connor mm-hmm. what your sort of earliest creative memories were yeah so I was thinking back on that and it's definitely like I started I think singing first when I was like six or seven just kind of you know it was more making noise than singing but it was it was enjoyable and I had fun with it and then when I was nine I started doing like acting lessons with a lovely lady named Patricia Malloy as part of my kind of primary school and did those for years and then kind of from that went and did my first musical of Guys and Dolls when I was 11 and I think that was what really solidified this is now part of my life because yeah I did that and I did the part I played the part of Nathan Detroit at 11 years of age with the worst like American accent you've ever heard in your life of like you know New York kind of guy is here it's just (laughs) it was ridiculous but in this wonderful oversized I think green suit and just had so much fun and loved it and went, yes, this, there's something here that I love. So they're definitely kind of my earliest kind of creative stuff or even like going even further back. I remember when I was about four, I did actually do Irish dancing for a year. I was all mm. right at it, but then had the usual kind of thing of Irish dancing was a Saturday morning and so was the soccer training. So uh, it came to, oh, well, you got to pick one. And I was like, well, I guess I'll go with the soccer because, you know, lads and stuff and ended up hating that and it's one of the things like I wish I kept it that Irish dancing but say la vie yeah <laughs> no it's really interesting though and like do you think that that still informs you and your work today like what you sort of started off doing when you're younger and stuff oh 100 like you know all the theater work all the music work like I I trained as a drummer as well did all that kind of stuff so like I, there's a big music side to it as, as kind of me as a, a creative as well and all that experience that I have there informs so much of the work that I do now because mm. I have a genuine empathy for individuals who are really trying to refine a craft and the discipline it takes to just sit down and practice or to just learn those lines or to just whatever it is research explore a character whatever the the part of your craft is I've done a little bit of it all and so I have a kind of taster of a lot of different disciplines and I have nothing else that just gives me a language as well that is mm. useful like I have I know the basic language of like how to talk to an actor or how to talk to a musician or how to you know whatever yeah. I can I can be more articulate that way 
which no. is extremely useful. No, I, I think that's really interesting. And like, I've found that because I sort of used to predominantly be, well, what I did I studied screenwriting. I wanted for a while to be a mm. screenwriter, something I may well come back to. But now in my sort of job as a script editor, which is the opposite side of it, when you're working with writers to get the best out of a writer, or, or it's essentially what mm. the job is really. So now I think because I've had that background in writing, which a lot of my colleagues haven't had because they're just script editors and they'd always only want to do that. I think that gives me, as you say, like, I think I totally see what you mean about this, sort of knowing how to speak to something and sort of having an understanding and a bit of a language and I think mm-hmm. just being able to have a bit more empathy as well because you know how vulnerable it is mm-hmm. to be in those positions as a writer as, in your case like an actor or a performer mm-hmm. so I think that's really interesting yeah no 100% I think just basic understanding and basic kind of knowing the, the language and just how the whole thing works is just so beneficial like the one that always comes to mind is I did spend a bit of time working as a, a theatre technician and there are such a misunderstanding of how tech works like I remember hearing a story once of a director saying to the the lighting designer hey can you just like you know make the lights like just do that but from below of like you know lights that are rigged up in a gantry you know whatever 10 feet up in the air and it's like that's not how physics works but leave it with me you know there's a lot of that kind of just yeah like I said basic language and basic understanding of just how different disciplines work both in the coaching things whatever it is it just it just gives you so much more of a footing just to, to communicate with someone yeah yeah and i imagine that's a lot of what your job now is is like is the key word like communicating is like i'd say yeah. probably the most essential thing for your current role right i'd say listening is probably number one of mm. just my whole thing is i very much want to listen to a person's story because no matter how much time you spend with an individual you will only ever get an absolute snapshot of what they're experiencing in the life they've lived and you also don't know how important so many different elements of an individual's lives are like how important all those things are that have led to this moment you know I talk a lot about systems in my coaching of like the systems you build to help you move forward but also it's understanding the systems you're part of you know the family thing or work thing or social things and it's been like how are all those affecting who you are Mm. and when you start to look at that kind of bigger picture it gives you a much more practical way to move forward yeah yeah and and sort of I mean, I was going to kind of get into a lot of this stuff later, but like, I think since we're on it, I, I will start to maybe ask a few questions. Sure. This. Yeah, but yeah. Speaking about listening, because listening is something I think as a society, like we're not very good at anymore. There's so many, I mean, I, it's something I try to be good at, but I know I could be better mm-hmm. at. And there's so many distractions and obviously think, you know, mm-hmm. like that's what I actually, one of the things I love so much about this medium of podcasting is like, it's one of the only times in my life that I sit down with somebody like yourself for an hour or mm-hmm. more so, right? And I'm just listening to everything you say. I'm not on my phone at all. Purely in the mm-hmm. moment, you know, having a conversation, and I think the reason podcasts are so popular is I, I don't think like there's much connection and people truly listening to each other in modern day society, especially in the West, anyway. And so, how mm-hmm. do you, as like a sort of coach, like how do you become a good listener? Like, do you have to work on that as well, or is this just something you think's come quite naturally to you? No, it is. It's something you kind of you develop, and it's just learning how to be comfortable in silence we're so stimulated all the time there's always phones ringing tvs on this is happening this is even just walking like i'm currently living in london even just walking through the streets there's a million things happening around you like it, it can be a lot and just learning how to stop like i think learning how to really have that sense of just finding that that bit of like okay everything's all right i'm surviving all's good you know i don't need to be thinking about the seven different things that are going to happen later today i can just stop and be with this person you know it's it's that thing of the idea of holding space is how it was described to me of just you're not trying to do anything you're not trying to 
problem solve or anything. You're just holding space and listening to this individual. And I think when you you take it with that approach, you then, when your focus becomes on them, you absorb so much more. It's not just the words they're saying, it's how they're saying it. It's the things they're not saying. It's the pauses, it's the inflections. And then that's where the actor training comes in. Cause you know, yeah. you're always like, also, oh, you know, all that kind of, how do people speak? It's the kind of the accent, the lilts, the everything, you know, I have that part of my brain as well which also kind of kicks in. So it just, it, yeah, it's it's learning to find things stillness within yourself so that you can just be with someone else. Yeah, well, no, that's that's really interesting. Maybe it's something I'm, you know, strive to get better at doing and I'm trying my best to do now, you know, I think, mm. I genuinely think though that I've noticed in the last sort of 15 months since I started this podcast that I'm much more present when I have conversations with people, I was, you know, just normal now. I'm not saying I'm, as I say, I've still got a long way to go, but I feel a bit more present in a moment when with someone and I feel like mm-hmm. maybe I'm a slightly better listener. And I think maybe that, as you said, it's because I know this isn't quite stillness, but just that, as we were saying, the fact that you're sitting down and just having a genuine conversation with somebody, even over Zoom, not ideal, mm-hmm. but it's still sort of as good as we're going to get, I suppose. Yeah. No, it's just really interesting. I love, I love this. That's why I was very excited to have you on because as I say, there's lots of things we can talk about, which I've never had the opportunity to talk to somebody about on this podcast before. So I'm going to try not geek out too much. No, I absolutely do. I love it. <laughs> I, I absolutely love those moments where you just kind of, because yeah. that's when you find that passion in someone. Hmm. And when someone's just like, I just want to nerd out and chat. I'm like, great. Yeah. Found no, it's just really, like I listen to a lot of other podcasts that are maybe more about mental health and things and like how we sort of, our performance as, a, as human beings. And I think it, as creative people, for whatever reason, we don't tend to talk about mental health enough. We don't tend to talk about how we are performing on a mental and physical basis during the day and stuff like and I think this episode hopefully will be really really interesting for people who are in any discipline in the creative industries who maybe are feeling a bit stuck right now or who are struggling mm-hmm. with mental health or maybe don't feel motivated I, I think this is going to be a really good episode for them so yeah hopefully yeah, yeah. But to sort of go into your story before we come back onto the geeky stuff more another yeah. thing we talk about on the podcast is where people are from and obviously mm-hmm. as we established at the start you're from Ireland and I don't want to butcher mm-hmm. the place name which I have in front of me. So I'll let you say, but where about Ireland are you from? So Slane is the name. Gurdonstown Slane is kind of my, my hometown, County Meath. And a lot of people, Irish people know for the Slane concerts, which are just up the road. So Slane Castle, mm. there's, there's big concerts there every year, which are a lot of fun. And so, yeah, I, I live I live near there. That's, that's, that's my neck of the woods. Yeah. And obviously now you're in London and stuff. So like as, as well. Mm. So like I imagine... Ireland probably holds quite a, even more of a place in your heart in the sense that you're away from home now. So you probably think of it even more. Oh, big time. No. So I I, I grew up in Slane and went to school in a place called Navins. That's County Meath. That was kind of where I, I spent all my teen years and, and early childhood. But then for college or university or whatever you want to say, I went to Cork, which is way down south of Ireland. Mm. And I lived in Cork City for five years. And I love Cork City so much. Yeah. It is such a magic place. And I think I really appreciate it even more. Like, I'm very happy here in London. I'm building the life I kind of want to lead here. It takes time. But yeah, Cork is somewhere that really just holds somewhere special in my heart. I think it's because it's such a nice, compact city. You can just walk everywhere. Yeah. And like that alone of being able to walk around and enjoy a city rather than taking two tubes and walking half an hour to get to work or something like, you know, it's different lifestyle. Yeah, I actually, this is sort of ringing a bell now. When we met in November, I remember we had a conversation because I've never been to Cork. I've always really wanted to go. And uh, just after we met, actually, I read a book Mm. for work, which I cannot name, but it was this book was all set in Cork. And I, we nearly, oh, we nearly sort of went in to buy this, but didn't end up getting the book at the end, which still kind of breaks my heart. And it's something I will talk about <laughs> in this podcast in about a year's time when the book's out and everyone does settles. But anyway, it was all set in Cork and I really sort of dived into this book for work and like did a creative pitch and mm. it made me really, really 
want to go to like Cork desperately actually and on top of the conversation we had and because at the time mm. as well when we met in London you had friends over that were all had all come over from there as well so like yeah a good friend of mine yeah. Shane was over at the time yeah and, and like yeah I remember yeah you yeah. me and Joe and Shane all it went out for an evening it was great yeah it was a good night and of course that you know just like talking about the sort of cultural stuff of Cork it sounded really cool and I remember something we spoke mm. about was this, I, that's what I love about the city I'm in now Edinburgh in the sense it's very we can walk about you don't have to get in a tube mm. for like two hours and stuff I think that's something lovely about that but the sort of question I did want to ask you was about like how sort of growing up in Ireland and stuff how has that influenced you as a creative as well like and I imagine that again like the stuff you were talking about earlier has had a big impact on what you do now as well mm-hmm. so I think for me as a creative even though I didn't know it at the time I think while going through a lot of my drama training and all that it was very much I was going like I did the University of West London syllabus for all my grades and like a lot of the theatre practice I was doing was just kind of you know different practitioners whereas like Irish culture even though I was never really fully involved in myself, like I never really played trad music. I was never a fantastic Irish speaker, you know, never played any of the Gaelic football or GAA or any of the kind of sports. I was never really in it, but I'm realizing now as I get older, how much it's influenced me. Like just, there's a certain lilt to the language that I love. And there's also the real art of storytelling. That's just, it's it's magic in Ireland. There's a name specifically for a, Sean Keen? No, it's what's the, there's a name anyway in Irish for a storyteller. I'll have to Google it now in a minute. Well, now uh, we, can, we can edit it out if you want. Oh we? yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> it's not live, like no one would know. Yeah, Sean Keen, that's it. Yeah, so there we go. Anyway, so yeah, there's a thing in Ireland. So like storytelling is a huge thing for me. And especially in Irish culture, there's the, the Shan Key was kind of the storyteller of mm. kind of the local people. And there's such a rich culture of that kind of storytelling. And there's so many like different poets, musicians and people who have come from Ireland. There's, there's something that just ingrained within the culture that... I don't know, seems alive or even like the way you go into an Irish pub and there'd be music in the corner or people having a laugh or like often I'd have like family get togethers and the family get together would often end in a sing song. It would be mm. everyone would just get up and instruments would start coming out of the woodwork and people would have, you know, everyone there would have something that like even my dad, who I loved a bits, had he sang Blueberry Hill and like my dad's not a singer. But my God, nothing is more captivating than seeing that man mm. just not care and just just enjoy expressing through this song and it was just oh it's magic you know stuff like that just all kind of happens and yeah I, I'm kind of realizing more how much that rich storytelling kind of has I don't know maybe influenced my own love of stories and connections and also an individual story and that's a big mm-hmm. part of even what I'm doing now is just sitting down and listening to someone's story and just being like, what's the life you've lived and how can I help? I mean, and right now I'm I'm doing that, but not how can I help? It's just like, tell us your individual story. That's great. I want to know yeah. him. But like the thing you're saying about Ireland, and I, I mean, as the regular listeners will be bored of me saying this every time an Irish guest in the podcast, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just, I think it, we talked about this when we met as well, but the sort of similarities between Scotland and Ireland. And I don't know why, mm. why that is, but I mean, I think Ireland's richer than Scotland for that. I think Scotland's got some of that. Not, it's not as mm. good though, personally it's not as good and <laughs> I don't know why it is because I love the Pogues for example I love the Pogues and like mm. an artist like the Dubliners and stuff and I know they're mm. sort of re they're covering older songs as well but like sort of magic and the storytelling of their songs there's just something so unique about Ireland it's especially it's such an artistic place as well I don't know I don't know if it's partly because it's been it's such an oppressed place as well and because of the history and things that maybe helps that, but it's just such an artistically mm-hmm. rich place. And yeah, I love when we have Irish guests on because I can just 
repeat this point for the 10th time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now there's something about the culture that's just, yeah, I think rich is the word. There's just something kind of, yeah, very homely about it, rich and welcoming and just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to properly articulate without, you know, experiencing it. There's something really Mm. magic about, you know, being in a pub at 3am and, old Jim in the corner who's in his 70s suddenly pulls out a banjo or something like that and this music starts it's just something mad things like that that could just happen you know like there's a great pub actually in Cork once again another reason to plug Cork called the High B now I don't know if it's still open obviously with COVID and all that but a mate of mine used to work there we'd always go up there in an evening or after college or something like that head up have a few drinks and wind but it was this tiny little pub in Cork there was no phones allowed a strict no phones rule if Love you're that. on your phone you're asked to leave that's amazing um, and then often what would happen is a sing song would just kind of break out in the middle of the pub so like my friend who works there uh, he's a stunning singer and he would often start singing and people would be like oh go on give us a tune type thing and then if we were in there he'd be like connor you go next and this and it's just kind of there was something just so impromptu and magic about it and it, it was just present it wasn't like we've all planned this lovely thing. Isn't this great? It's like, let's just do something. And I think it's that kind of improvisationary impromptu nature is really what I find lovely richness in, you know? Yeah, I think rich is the, as, as we say, that's just the perfect word to describe Ireland. And it's a place mm-hmm. I've only, I've only been to Ireland twice. I just, I'd love to go back mm. and I've only been to Dublin, really. I've never got to the chance to to go into real Ireland. I'd call it the real Ireland from what people have, like you and Joe have said, but obviously Dublin's nice, but it's not really apparently mm. real Ireland. No. Yeah. Every time someone like says, oh, we want to go to Ireland. I'm like, go to Cork, Galway or Belfast. They're the other yeah. kind of I've been to Belfast cities. as well. Belfast, Galway and Cork as cities are wonderful. Mm. And I think there is a, a beautiful culture and there's a beautiful everything among them. And, you know, I just like that's where I'd say if someone wants to experience that rich culture, that's where you're going. Mm, no 100 and and speaking of ireland quickly as well a question we love to ask mm-hmm. all our guests on this podcast is about their favorite word and phrase from them from do you have any irish phrases that you really like or irish words that you love so a few of them actually so we have a few different words for either drunk or idiot well more kind of idiot so like idiot is the irish yeah kind of which we'd had on this podcast a few times which is a great word yeah which is a great one but i think like because drunk and idiot can be very kind of almost harsh sounding words whereas sometimes if you're a bit of an idiot it's a bit more soft and playful and sometimes like same thing with drunk it's like ah you're a bit fluttered or you know a bit stocious you know or even the, the irish for drunk is ermeshka which i think just the, they're all just a bit more because like being drunk's not a bad thing all the time you know like it's it's that kind of just sometimes you could just be having fun and i've had a few drinks and been unwinding and having a laugh and i think something like ermeshka it's just it's so much more playful or like even for idiot uh, the irish for idiot is luthermon or amadon and so you often might hear an irish person say yeah absolutely luther and that's Love just it. there's something that's just a bit more kind of playful and like it has to be said in a Dublin accent like because I have a fairly neutral Neve accent type thing and it doesn't say the same of going you absolute looter it's you looter it's just <laughs> there's something you need the lilt behind it yeah that's class that's a very good answer thank you uh, Connor for sharing that Well, we can get back onto the geeky stuff very shortly, but I kind of want to before that, I want to speak about just your sort of journey and how you got to end, you got to the sort of coaching place in the first place. Mm-hmm. But so obviously we were saying earlier, a bit of a background in acting and performance. So like, what was the sort of steps after school and stuff? What did you kind of think you wanted to do? What was the sort of plan there? 
So like I said, I started kind of getting more into the theatre and acting when I was about 11. That's when I started doing the musical theatre things as part of summer school and then doing my acting grades all along. And then I was, when I was 16, I think I was, I joined St. Mary's Musical Society, which yeah. is just a musical society in Navin that I was, I did a show called OMG Broadway when I was like 15 and I was just part of one of the chorus and doing things. And a guy came up to me and saying, hey, our musical society is really looking for some guys. I think you're a wonderful performer. I'd love for you to join. And I'm like, great, let's do it. And so then kind of joined this adult musical society, which is also really lovely because I was the 16 year old and they had the adult society. And it was mm. just, it was magic. And so that really, that was wonderful. But I think that originally, because I was looking into like, I had an interest in psychology and a bit of an interest in biology, which is kind of funny. They've come back around now. <laughs> originally it was, they were something I was kind of looking at when I was like 14, 15, 16, being like, oh, I might do this. I might do that. You know, when you're getting those initial thoughts of where do you want to go for uni and all that. But then I remember I saw a production of Jesus Christ Superstar by the, the Mead Youth Musical Society. And I just remember seeing that there was just something about that show. And I went, yeah, this is what I want to do. It's specifically, actually, there's a, I don't know if you know JCS, but musical at all, but there's the song. A little bit. Yeah. I've yeah. It. I, song I, I, we did it in primary school and I was in P7 and I was in the chorus, oh, yeah. I believe. I don't remember. Oh, much, amazing. But yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. that's my sort of only knowledge of it. Long, long time ago. Good songs <laughs> yeah, though. Uh, yeah, it's a good fun. So uh, just the song at the end, Superstar, and a guy named Tom Moran was playing Judas and he performed it. And I just kind of went, there was just something about the performance. I went, just, I went, this, that this, this is what I want. This just, the feeling that I'm getting from this performance, I want to both feel that and give that. That is, that is the life I want to lead. And so something really hooked me there. And so then, yeah, from there, I was very much like, no, nah, the performing arts is what I, I want to do. And so then while doing all that, so that was my kind of secondary school days, I finished off my grades in acting. So I got my grade eight. And then I also finished off my grades in drums. So I got my grade eight in drums as well. So I was doing a bit of time working as a drum teacher and then went to uni in the Cork School of Music and did my BA in theater and drama studies, which I loved. So like at that point, it very much was, I want to be an actor. I want to be a performer. That is, that is the life I want to lead. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I had a wonderful time. I did some incredible shows. And I also was very lucky to spend two summers in New York as well, working as a drum teacher in Long Lake Camp for the Arts. So once, once again, just performing arts, music, all of it. I was just living in it. It was magic. And yeah, it was kind of, so I did my degree. I did quite well. I was very happy, you know, and like I said, I did some some great shows and some wonderful things along the way. Got some really cool opportunities. And then afterwards, after I graduated is when I start working as a theater technician for a while, doing some tech work because that was just part of my training and Mm. they're always crying out for techies. And I was like, great, I could do that. It's kind of in the, I was like, look, it's in the industry. It's not exactly what I want to be doing, but you know, I can do this work. It's decent pay. I can, you know, it's not a bad way to make a living. So I did that and worked in a pub for a while and then COVID hit. And so I kind of was like, all right, well, I, I lost two jobs in four hours. Oh, man. Which is a rough day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, all right, okay, not ideal. Because my two industries were hospitality and theater. And I was like, oh, there, there they both go. Okay. So yeah, that was that was interesting. So I was like, okay, now all I have is time. Because I was very lucky. There was the, the pop payment in Ireland where you're getting kind of money every week to keep you sustained over the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So I was very lucky that I was entitled to that and that kind of helped keep me afloat. And so like I was able to pay rent and live and all that. And I was like, okay, so now I have some money left over and saved up. All I have is time. I might as well use it. And so that's when I found a wonderful guy named Stephen King, not the author, uh, <laughs> a, a vocal health specialist, a massage therapist, and now training in psychotherapy and an overall incredible individual. And I just happened to stumble across an interview he was doing. 
on vocal massage. And I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. And then from that, I kind of looked at him and his company, the Voice Care Center, and they were doing a workshop. I think it was on self-vocal massage. I was like, yeah, go on. It's like 25 quid or something. So I was like, yeah, let's do this and learn something new. And then they were doing another one, I think it was like on the arytenoids, which are part of the vocal fold, but the, some cartilages within the vocal fold. I was like, oh, yeah, that's curious. Let's find out. And that led to another workshop, to another workshop to then led me doing when they set up vocal health education I did my qualification as a vocal health first aider and I'm now finishing off my qualification as a vocal habilitation professional and then also through that is where I found a wonderful lady who used to work for them but is now my boss in Erdang my current job uh, Brenda Shanky who does all the mindset and mental health work for performing artists as well she was doing a thing uh, a level three qualification on mental health work supervisory mental health first aid and I was like once again this sounds interesting. I have a bit of time, a bit of money. Let's, you know, learn something new. And loved it. Thought it was super interesting. Mm. And that's kind of where I got that initial bug for the mental health. And so then did that, did a youth mental health qualification, a few different workshops and talks and stuff like that over the next kind of year or so of the pandemic and all that. And then after that, I was, I moved back home because I was in Cork and I knew I wanted to move to London. So I was like, look, I want to move back home for a few months and save up some money. The usual being like, London's expensive, have a bit of a nest egg that I can go over and survive off for a while while I'm getting established. And went back home, worked as a maths teacher as all things in a secondary school <laughs> for a few months, which is mad. And then one day I was just at home and I got a message from Brenda being like, hey, uh, can I, do you mind if I give you a phone call? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? She's like, hi, I'm looking to hire people for Erdang. Do you want to come over? I have a job for you. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> especially coming from an Irish performing arts school, the London schools are kind of put on this pedestal. Yeah, yeah. And there's this kind of like, oh my God, I'm going to Erdang. Like it's it's like, you know, this kind of gold standard thing. And like it is, it's a, it's a really, really incredible college. And the performers they train there are mm-hmm. astronomical. The training they go through is insane. And I'm really, I'm genuinely honored and privileged to be able to work with some of those people. Like it is, it's, it's magic. But it's just really cool to just, yeah, I kind of went over there for the job initially was just five hours a week. That was all I was doing because it's just kind of an initial kind of help out. And I was like, you know what? That's that. I'll make the rest work. I'll figure something out. Yeah, that's brilliant. That was my start, and so yeah, then moved over to London, started in Erdang, did that in September, and then since meeting you, actually, I got a job with Italia County Associates as an acting teacher as well. So doing that on a Saturday morning, and yeah, just been kind of figuring it out as I go. It's been a lot of fun. Brilliant. Well, that's sort of the joy of this podcast. We have so many people at the start of their careers or who are sort of like in a you know fluid state in the sense that like they're sort of just doing various different things and working in the arts mm. and making it work. And I love that no one's path is the same. Everyone who's been on this podcast has a mm. totally different journey. And as a society, we're all, you know, the whole essence of this podcast, it's always pushed on us. Like you have to get a real job. You have to do this. this is, these are the rules you have to follow. It's utter bollocks. Like, do you know what I mean? As, as every guest in this proves, it's like everyone's path is different. There's no right path. And no, it's really inspiring to hear to hear like people's stories and stuff and like you know it was great and I also just say I don't think I've had a guest that's just told me their story from when I've asked the question from A all the way to where they are now without me having to even <laughs> say anything very concise so so well done for that as well <laughs> oh cheers uh, there you go I, I do love to ramble on sometimes so feel free to stop me <laughs> no no I was enjoying it I was enjoying it but to sort of talk a bit more about the geeky stuff as we sort of touched on earlier about mm-hmm. like the well-being stuff and, and your coaching mm-hmm. things right so maybe start off with like how you work with performers and stuff so obviously it's vo- you were talking about vocal health and things mm-hmm. so it's, there's different things I imagine you do with performers I imagine there's a mental side to it right oh huge mental yeah. side and then there's also uh, maybe like a more of a a physical thing so yeah yeah i'll let you sort of maybe just explain the basics first and then i can dive in with some more specific yeah of course so like often when i'm working with a performer so normally in my job in Erdine, anyway, 
performers will come to me with kind of possibly some mental health issues or they'll come to me with just kind of mental blocks or things like that or just kind of mindsets that are just not really serving them and I do just want to say as a little kind of caveat moving forward I have some training in mental health I'm not a qualified psychologist or psychotherapist or don't have a degree in psychology or anything like that so just general caveat this is kind of some general advice from my experience and some things I've researched I am not a clinician in that regard and I do also actually always say if anyone listening here now is kind of like, what he's saying is absolute rubbish, email me. Absolutely call me out on everything I say. I always start all my lectures with that as well and being like, please, for the love of God, debate me. Like, challenge me on everything I say. I'm here to learn. It's, it's what I'm, I want to do. 100%. So. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank yeah. you for uh, for saying that as well, Connor. And I think what often people say as well, there's not like, it's not like one shoe fits all. It's not, you know, I think a lot mm-hmm. of these tips and things you may be going to talk about, they might apply to some people and work for some people and not work for others because everyone's different as mm-hmm. well, right? 100%. Yeah. Like, it's, like I, I said, there's so much individuality in everything I do. That's why normally how I start off is just look, tell me what's brought you here today or what's tell me a bit of your story. And normally the first session with someone is I will sit there in silence for half an hour and they will just talk and I'll just listen to everything they have to say. And often the work I'm doing is very much just offering someone a new perspective or just questioning something and just being like, is that true though? Or do you have to think that way? Or what if this has happened or even sometimes if you just say something back to someone being like just so i'm aware is this what you're saying and when they suddenly hear it from someone else's mouth they go oh yeah wait no that doesn't make a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. it's just kind of helping individuals reframe and a lot of what i the basis of a lot of my work i live off a phrase love and hate are beasts and the one that grows is the one you feed it's a quote by a poet named shane koizan i live off that it's great. So, so often, I've never heard that before. I really like that. Yeah, no, I think it's just a beautiful phrase. And like, for example, a performer might come to me and be like, as a very simple example, would be like, oh, I made a mistake in ballet class or something. I fell out of a pirouette or this happened. And oh, God, I'm useless. And that was rubbish. And whatever. And I kind of go, OK, well, let's just look at this for a second. So your mindset currently is, oh, that was rubbish. That was awful. That was girl. That's like feeding the hate. That is like, okay, if you had the two beasts within your head, the hate's getting really well fed when you're saying all that. And like, okay, is there a way you can reframe that that more feeds the love of like, look, I made a mistake, but everyone makes a mistake. What can I learn from this? You know, what actually went wrong? I fell out of a pirouette. Okay, well, maybe it was a core engagement thing. Did I not spot correctly? Was my foot placement off? You know, and just by then approaching it from more of a place of love, one, you're not getting this self-deprecation and weight that's just coming upon you. But then two, you're also giving yourself actionable steps to move forward. You're not just like, oh my God, that was rubbish. Like, what does rubbish mean? That That's such an abstract thing that doesn't actually help anyone. Whereas if you kind of think, oh, actually, what went wrong there? No, actually, I think my core engagement wasn't quite right. Let's try do it again and see does it change if I if I change that factor. And suddenly they have something actionable. They have a way to move forward and progress. And now they're improving and, you know, haven't just put all this hate upon themselves. I'm like, I think that's a much more useful way to move forward. You know, I think it's it's just reframing that way of thinking that you're like, okay, look, maybe I can lead with love. Yeah. Especially in like one of the performing arts where like things like perfectionism is rampant. Absolutely rampant. This idea of this must be perfect. This must be perfect. It's like sometimes the the kind of the flaws, the mistakes we make and how we deal with them are actually what make a performance so magic and tangible because 
that's the human that we're connecting with, you know? So yeah, it's, it's interesting talking to a lot of people and seeing these kind of ideas of like being trying to be perfect and this and push it's all go, 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 you know, like the whole kind of, you know, sleep is for the weak kind of mindset and all that. I'm like, that's not how life works, you know? Like, I think it's, that's one of the first things I'll often deal when I'm working with someone. I'll be like, how's your sleeping pattern? That's, that's nearly always my starting point because one thing a lot of people don't realize is when you sleep is actually when you're kind of learning things. So when I'm actively doing something, let's say I'm learning something on the piano, when I'm in that moment physically doing it, I'm more marking my brain for change. The actual change yeah. happens when you sleep and when you rest. And that is when you actually can make those connections. And so I'm like, this is why something like sleep is so integral, you know, like they're the things that people don't realize. And that's what I'm trying to do. Be like, look, you can work more efficiently with the machine and essentially your body that you've been given. You know, we've all been given this body, but no one's given us the instruction manual. And so I'm trying to, through research and different bobs, trying to figure out a very rough instruction manual to help you kind of use it more efficiently. No, 100%. The thing, this is something I'm very aware of myself. I need to work on my sleep pattern. And I know, I notice now if I have a good night's sleep, how much better I am at my job, how nicer I am mm -hmm. to my friends, how better mm -hmm. I feel in my head. Like I'm much nicer to myself if I have a good night's sleep. And there's an amazing podcast, which has inspired me a lot with this podcast called, and it's not really that similar at all, but it's called Feel Better, Live More uh, with Dr. Roman Ch mm. Chatterjee. And it's a lot of mm -hmm. the guests you'll have on it are sleep experts and stuff. And they'd said the exact things you're saying. And it's so true. Mm. But like something mm. I find interesting about the arts in general, and I don't know why this is, but there seems to, we get sort of stereotypes in society. And it, it seems to be that the sort of image of somebody who say an artist, whether that be a writer, an actor, a painter mm -hmm. it, there seems to be this sort of thing attached that they need to be struggling and they need to be like chaotic and they don't do mm -hmm. exercise they don't you know they get four hours sleep and go to the pub after they're they do a painting and whatever mm -hmm. you know the sort of attitude that like health and well-being isn't for those types of people and obviously that's nonsense and i think a lot of the sort of way people make art would probably improve if they were happier and healthier and they would probably you know mm -hmm. if you're a writer for example and you've got like a, a 90 page script you in three weeks if you're looking after yourself it's going to be much more likely that you're going to get that done and it's going to be better than if you're not sleeping you're stressed you're drinking too much mm -hmm. you know what i mean obvious i'm saying obvious things obviously as you'll know but you know i mm -hmm. just i find it really interesting as somebody like yourself i wanted to ask like how do you think like creative people listen to this can maybe reframe their mind to sort of think about these things more, which I know is a hard question, but. So I think for creatives listening, it's kind of that when you paint or dance or act or sing or whatever it is that you do is your medium, medium of creativity. It is an expression. It is expressing yourself. And by looking after yourself, what you're doing is you're giving yourself one more of an understanding of just what's going on inside and what you're actually feeling. And then that in turn gives you an ability to articulate more, you to express more, mm -hmm. to be able to say the things you want to say. Like, I think that even when you do feel a pain or a trauma or something within your life, which we will all experience at some point, rather than oh, just trying to bottle it up or push it down or power through or it's fine or keep going, being actually able to find comfort in sitting with it and know what it's like to feel comfort and really kind of look at it. And then that can be used as a means of expression. Now, this can be taken to an extreme degree as well, where people can get too lost in it. And like, that's for example, like for something like method acting, which I'm mm. sure you've heard of, kind of the idea yeah. that you don't break character, you just completely absorb yourself within this means of expression that is not healthy that I, I i am a fervent kind of just advocate against method acting i i do not think it's healthy i think there are i understand 
why people use it because it can lead to good results. It's a bit like perfectionism. Perfectionism can lead to high performing results, but it's not a healthy way to do it. You can get those high level results and beyond by understanding, I'm going to take some time to rest. I'm going to take some time to drop character and leave that. And like, there's a really interesting one in Brian Cranston's book, My Life in Parts. He talks about how- Great book, isn't it? Such a good book. I really enjoyed that, yeah. So good. So like while he was on set as Walter White, he would very much try and stay in character as much as he could and kind of be in, and like, and I completely get that. But as soon as the day ended, he would get his hot towel, he'd put it on his face, he'd feel like all the makeup and the plastics and stuff melt off. And when they melted off, that was Walter White gone. And I think that ritual is so, so important. And that system as well of this is what I do to shake off a character. This is what I do mm-hmm. to shed that off. Uh, individual I'm embodying that's such an important thing that's most of the time not taught you know we, we talk about dropping characters with that or kind of regrounding and stuff which is wonderful like really important work but I think it's more kind of mentioned than really developed you know it's been like oh yeah do this thing it's good for you rather than okay let's actually okay at the end of every class let's take a second reground ourselves whatever and I was very fortunate I had some lecturers who were wonderful for that who were really good just to kind of make sure that when you left a space that everyone was at a very kind of I suppose functional way of being is the, the word I'm coming to my mind that's not quite right it's it's more than just functionality it's it's a yeah some form of stillness that the, mm. the, they're they're not leaving the room with you know a wound freshly opened they're not as in like an emotional wound not a physical wound. yeah that's not happening either but that kind of that sense that they're not leaving the room with any weight or anything that that's kind of happened in the class bringing it out with them that they've had that sense of release and expression and then kind of find that sense of stillness within themselves again before exiting a room yeah you know same thing with like you can have such expression you can have so much uh, emotional turmoil and things when you're on stage you can have all these kind of different things but then once you leave that stage and leave that theater you need to be then back to okay that was that was work that was a lot of things to get done there but now i'm back to connor boyle the actor or coach or whatever it is you know yeah yeah and and do you think that would maybe apply to someone for example I, again just to use myself as an example because obviously i'm the only one here right now with you <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. so say me as a script editor which i love my job and i don't actually find it mm-hmm. that stressful because i feel like i'm living something i love which makes a big difference but say i mm-hmm. have a really stressful day at work and i'm really invested in a script or something or like a project and mm-hmm. when i finish work at half five or whatever do you, do you think that's also do you think that's really important for people like myself to just go okay that's that was work we're going to sort of put this as a separate part of the day and now you're done you're going to go out for a walk do whatever you do as jamie and you are jamie now and that you know that that makes sense yeah no i think it's important to to turn off to just take time to to unwind and that's a hard thing to do a lot of people don't really know how to do it they're always thinking about oh i gotta do this thing or i gotta get the script done or i gotta get this thing edited or i gotta get whatever and it's like to actually genuinely turn off and i think until you trust the systems you've built it's hard to do that because you can trust you know let's say you're working your nine to five you know look i know i can turn off now because i'm going to arrive here again nine o'clock the next morning and i'm going to just continue this journey and it will progress and i will get to a point and then i will take my time and, and refresh and then it's also trusting as well like your you know your subconscious does a lot like if you're there from your nine to five be it editing a script or working on a play or, you know, developing or practicing or whatever it is. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to now 
just go home and unwind. Everything you've been doing for the day is still kind of rattling around in the back of your mind. Your subconscious is still kind of processing all that stuff. And then by unwinding, going for a nice walk, whatever, chilling, watching a nice movie and getting a good night's sleep, all that's solidifying, all those thoughts. Like mm-hmm. how often is it that we have that kind of eureka moment when yeah. you're out for a walk or yeah, doing yeah. something completely different? Or, or like in the shower or something. I was, I was listening to this amazing podcast, mm. uh, The Diary of a CEO, one of my favorite podcasts at the moment. I think just the conversations that are had in that are amazing, but there was, there was a CEO and I can't remember his name. This is a really mm-hmm. smart guy on it. And he was talking about like it was jokes that if they could have a meeting when everyone was in the shower, like because the ideas <laughs> are just so much better. Like obviously he knows this wasn't possible, but like I thought that was so funny because I'm like, that is so true. Like every time I crack a story problem or something, I'm mm-hmm. like, of course it was that. And it's me when I'm up a hill or in the shower. So it's never when you're sat on a, in a meeting on Zoom or on the office, is it? Do you know what I mean? No. So 100 percent Yeah. Mm-hmm. interesting it's, it's, it's so important to to just yeah take that time to rest and so i like i, I talk so much about rest for individuals yeah because that's how you take that t- like i always there's a, a great analogy of essentially two woodcutters bear with me for a moment um <laughs> and they both kind of work for eight hours in a day. One works for eight hours straight. One works for seven hours and takes an hour break in the middle. And the guy who works for seven hours always cuts more wood. And so the guy who's working for eight hours straight goes, I just don't get this. I work for eight hours. He works for seven and he always cuts more wood than I do. Like, I just don't get it. Why is this? So one day he goes over to him and asks and he's like, hey, why? How's it you cut more wood than I do every single day? Like, I don't get it. Where do you go for that hour? He goes, oh, I just, just go home and sharpen my axe. And it's that idea Love of that. by taking time to rest, you need to sharpen your axe. And so, so often I'll be talking to performers and being like, when's the last time you sharpened your axe? When's the last time you took time to let your brain rest, to let your body rest, to let all the things you've been learning settle, to actually just kind of go, okay, that's been nice. I've enjoyed this time off. Now I'm ready to go back yeah. rather than just keep working with a blunt instrument. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's great. Hello, it's JB here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. But as we were saying before, like it's such a, mm-hmm. it's so hard to do that in the modern world where you have all these distractions, you have emails all the time pinging about, you mm-hmm. have like social media, you have, you know, you're never really fully finished almost. It's like you're always sort of feel like you're kind of at the beck and mm-hmm. call of someone else, which is why it's so important to not always, you know, to switch your phone off sometimes and have a way, time mm-hmm. away from screens, which I know is hard. So I suppose like it's, you know, it's more important than ever to try and find that time. And I think it is really hard for people that are, especially people who are maybe struggling, who have more than one job or who are working all the time, mm-hmm. working long hours. Like I do sympathize with them. I think it's really 
really difficult. So yeah, I think it's a really important thing that we sort of had this conversation and things we're talking about. I hope people are taking stuff away from. And mm-hmm. I've, 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 I know we've been to be speaking for fifty minutes, right? But there's just so much. There's so much stuff I want to ask. So I'm gonna have to be selective in what I what I sort of put yeah, to you. Yeah, go for stuff. it. But there's two sort of more questions, particularly on the mental health stuff and the well-being. I quite mm-hmm. like to ask. So the first one is sort of what are the sort of common things that performers maybe I know it will all be different, but what are the sort of common things that a performer comes to you and asks about and tends to have problems with? Would you say the two big ones would be perfectionism mm-hmm. of Which just sort of they have yeah, this yeah, yeah touch on a little bit of that of just oh it needs to be this it needs to be perfect and that can lead to just kind of fear and the other is mm-hmm. a kind of performance anxiety as well of yeah. that sense of I'm which is like people don't realize how many performers are terrified to perform mm. because that thing of putting yourself up there and being in front of a hundred a thousand ten thousand a hundred thousand eyes just looking at you like that's that's a lot that's a big old bunch yeah, that yeah. you have to deal with and so that anxiety that performers have is a big one and comparison is definitely another one. Oh yeah of, that, oh my god that's huge i think yeah i think it i think massive that's, that's something i've really it took me a long time to to and i wouldn't say i was over it but i think it's something that's really difficult and i think most people would have like had on this podcast to mention maybe that they struggle because mm-hmm. you're always comparing yourself to other people and things so i think that yeah yeah and like anytime someone comes to you with that kind of comparison of oh my god they're just they're so much better than me or i don't like feel like uh, i feel like i'm the worst dancer in the room or something like that or worst singer in the room or worst whatever i always think of there's i heard it initially from adam neely i don't know if you know the, the youtuber music guy He's amazing anyway. I heard the name. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. So he said one in one of his episodes, always be the worst musician in the room. Because if you're the worst musician in the room, all you can do is learn. All that. you can do is gain information from the people around you. So anytime someone comes into me and is like, oh, I feel like I'm in the, the worst, you know, normally it's dancer because the uni I'm at is predominantly dance-based. Musical theatre, but predominantly dance. And they'll go... Oh, I feel like I'm the worst dancer in the room kind of thing. I'm like, isn't that amazing? Isn't it incredible that you're surrounded by people who you can learn from? And they kind of go, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so I try and highlight that like comparison when you're comparing and just saying, oh my God, they're just, I'm just they're so much better than I am. I'm like, is that useful to you? It's not really. All you're doing is saying they're better. So I'm kind of like, okay, let's look at it. What about their performances you actually love? And you're like, oh, I just, maybe they're like, oh, I love their tones when they're singing. I'm like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. What's, what with their tone is you really love? Yeah, there's a really nice resonance about it. Like, cool. Have you done any resonance rec- exercises recently? Can you, you know, go to your singing teacher and be like, hey, I love this tone. Is there any way I can replicate it for it to, to practice and explore and then find my own version of it? You know, which once again, it's finding those actionable skills to move forward. You know, if, if you, you, you have this thought of, be it a comparison or something like that and it doesn't serve you if it doesn't give you any useful information or way to move forward so as i say like you can still have those thoughts because we're human we're all going to go god they're just amazing oh i wish i could do that you know and like that's fine have that thought but then all i'd say is kind of challenge you to afterwards go right is there something they're doing that maybe i can i can work towards or is that Mm -hmm. something i actually really want to you know develop myself and so you go all right, cool. Let's let's actually look for actionable ways, actual things you can do to to move forward. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and sort of speaking about the systems you were mentioning, like how we can put these systems in place, and how you maybe would mm-hmm. suggest systems that these people, your clients, could put in place. What are sort mm-hmm. of is this the sort of thing you're talking about there, or is that sort of different thing? So, for example, we use comparison because that's sort of what we're talking about. So, if I came to you, I know I'm not a performer, so it's slightly different. Mm-hmm. If I came to you as a podcast host, which I guess could loosely say was performance, the very very mm-hmm. loose level, right? And I said to you, mm-hmm. Connor, I'm really yeah. str- I'm really struggling. And my podcast, I love doing it, but I keep comparing myself to all these podcasts that are much bigger than mine. They've got so many more listeners than me. 
I just feel like a bit of a failure. Like I'm really sad about it. I know it sounds so insincere, just an example, but like, what would you sort of say to me? And I'm putting you on the spot here, but like, if that if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, of course. So at first kind of look at, so the feelings of that kind of, oh, just, I'm not working or whatever. It's, oh, it's a, I'm so sad about it. I'm not to have the success. I'm like, look, yeah, that, that, that's okay. You're, you can you can feel that, but let's actually take a look. Okay, take a second. Normally I do maybe like a grounding exercise to just kind of take a second, settle into the breath, just feel your feet in the ground, feel that connection and go, okay, talk to me. What's actually going on? And you're like, that's when suddenly someone will say, ah, actually, you know, I just, maybe I'm, you're actually like, I don't feel honest on my podcast or my true self or uncomfortable or whatever. And then I'm like, great, now let's work on that. It's like, let someone rant. Because so often some people just need to rant and get things out of their system. And I'm like, that's where the listening really comes in of like, great, do that. Let get that out of your system. Get the frustration, all those emotions. Absolutely express that. That's wonderful. And then once they kind of found that kind of stillness afterwards, go, cool. Talk to me. What's going on? Yeah. And then normally you'll find something that's more the core of it. So for example, let's say it's the podcast. It could be, oh, I don't really feel comfortable talking to the strangers or it's weird having my voice out there or something like that. I'm like, okay, well that discomfort, where are you feeling it? Like some of the work I do is somatic work. So it's very much kind of of the body because your body can tell you so much if you really learn how to listen to it. So the feeling of like discomfort is like, I just don't feel comfortable talking to people on the podcast. Like, okay, where are you feeling that? And some people might be like in the chest or a stomach or something like that. I'm like, okay, just relax. That's okay. That's allowed to be there. That's fine. Where do you feel confident? If you, I might get into like recall a story of like, tell me a time you felt like really confident or really strong or powerful, or you felt your favorite episode you did in the podcast where you just felt the conversation was flowing. Tell me about that. And then they'll start telling, recounting the story. And I'm like, what are you feeling? And they're like, yeah, I'm just feeling lightness in the shoulder or a strength or a fire or warmth or something. I'm like, great, tap into that. That's more useful to you. And so therefore it actually gives them a feeling, a physical sensation that they Mm. can then tap back into moving forward. And then if it was things like, for example, you're saying, oh, I'm just, I'm not feeling, I don't have, you know, the 20,000, 30,000, 100,000 listeners that I want. I kind of go, okay, well, let's actually look at your podcast. You know, how's the marketing? How's the things you're doing? How's social media things? You know, are you at a point where are you trying to do everything yourself? And can you hire someone and delegate things? You know, is there ways to alleviate the pressure on you? What is your discipline? What's the thing where you thrive? And can you find someone who thrives in a different way or this or whatever? Mm. You know, it's like, it's so hard to, you know, it's very much just lots of questions. Lots of just like, let's chat. Let's just try and look at this in a different way and let's try and find solutions. And it's really, let's kind of look for the path. There's, yeah. a, there's a great story. Um, a lot of these I've taken from a guy named Simon Sinek, who I think is wonderful, but he talks about how skiers going through trees. If a skier is going through a tree, trees, they'll always say to them, if they're like, oh, I don't want to hit a tree, I don't want to hit a tree or don't hit trees, you're going to hit a tree. Your, <laughs> your body doesn't, your brain doesn't really comprehend the negative. All you do is you hit a tree. That's it, because you're trying to think of don't hit the tree. Whereas if rather you go follow the path, follow the path, follow the path, all you see is snow and you just keep going. So rather than, oh, I'm not getting enough listeners. Oh, this is the thing. This is They're the problems. It's like, how can we get more listeners? How can we spread your podcast more? How can we find things like that? It's like, okay, what's the path rather than the problems? And like, you still need to be aware of the problems. That's still information. It's not that black. Like this can sound very black and white. It's like, everything is gray. Everything yeah, I, yeah, do, yeah, I love yeah. the gray that in between it's everything is a factor, but it is just that kind of, okay, how can we, we focus on the path and be aware of the problems rather than focusing on the problems 
and you know so it's just yeah it's it's fine yeah, this, that. that was brilliant that, thank you very much for like sort of i know but can i just say to the listeners i don't genuinely feel that what i said to you <laughs> some sometimes but i wouldn't say yeah, that, yeah. yeah but like i thought that was a really interesting way of articulating and kind of showing the example you mean and and on connor by the way this is brilliant stuff I, you're like really really enjoying this conversation and like what you're saying thank you something else that's a quite a common thing on this podcast we have we've had quite a lot of actors and performers on and in fact i'd open mm-hmm. that up to anyone in this industry rejection is a massive part of it because there isn't a mm-hmm. lot of jobs in this industry it's very cutthroat at times and there's a lot of knockbacks mm-hmm. a lot of rejection so if someone was to come to you and say and sort of talk about how they've been rejected for something or they struggle with that like what would you say in your opinion are the sort of maybe things you would could offer that would maybe help people deal with rejection like what are the sort of i'd say strategies or maybe things they could apply to their life right now for example if they were going for a rejection so if you're going through rejection normally i say to individuals when, in my case it's normally actors i'm dealing with and so it's a rejection from auditions i'm like what is within your control there are only two things in this world that are any way within our control our thoughts and our actions that's it the only things we've any semblance of control over and we don't even have control over those all the time we get intrusive thoughts things that pop in sometimes we're in a very emotional state and we don't have control over our actions but I can decide myself I can think the thought I'd like a sip of water and I can do the action hand there water take sip you know they're the only things I've any form of control over if someone likes you or doesn't like you, if a company rejects you, if a company doesn't think your script is right, if a audition panel doesn't think you as a performer is right for the role, that's not within your control. So when you just take the, when you understand that they have the control in that scenario, it's just, it's just out of your control. People tend not to worry about it as much. Like if it, as an individual goes to an audition is the example I'll use, it's what I'm most familiar with, that when they go in, what's within your control is, have you prepped the work? Have you done the things? Have you done whatever routine you it is you need to make sure you're relaxed and comfortable going into that audition room? Have you gone in and been like, cool, right? I'm here, I'm present, you know, I'm yeah, putting my best self forward. They're the things that are within your control. After that, out of your control, completely and utterly. And so go, okay, I've done that now back to what is within my control go back to my practice routine go back to my classes look for more auditions it's that this is why i talk a lot about systems because when a rejection comes it's a moment it's just a a simple just it's a single moment of this has rejected me if be it the script thing you applied for a tv episode or a pilot or a producer or an audition or whatever it is it is a single moment but the system of working within the arts and developing your craft is still going that is that is all, always going. So when your focus is that, the rejections will just come and you go, oh, shit, that sucks. And then it'll go, you know, there's a I talk a lot about kind of the the infinite game in some of my work of like there's two games, finite and infinite. Finite is like, you know, baseball, chess, set amount of players, set amount of rules, set time frame, set objective. Mm. Finite game, you do it, you play it. There's a winner, a loser, job done. An infinite game is things like business, theater acting script writing no one wins theater yeah you just continue to be part of the system <laughs> yeah, until yeah. you run out of the will to be there anymore and you retire or step away or some people do it to the day they die you know like it depends whatever it is but the the art of theater the art of the creative arts script writing you know podcasts whatever it is you do is an infinite game that just keeps yeah. going and so then just accepting of like i'm just merely playing the game and you know you're in the moment thing, you're in the process yeah and so that focus on the process rather than the product means that you're loving the craft of what you do. 
And that means that when those rejections come in, they just don't really hit the same way because you're like, no, like, yeah, it sucks that I didn't get this thing, but okay, let's just focus. Let's do it that I can keep working, keep doing whatever. And then even once again, for the audition example, let's say you do actually get accepted and get a callback. Imagine you go back to that callback two, three weeks later and suddenly you show up and you're even better than you were two, three weeks before. They kind of go, this this person hasn't stopped for a moment or in the sense that like, you know, they've had rest, they've had good sleep, they've done those things, they have the good solid systems, but they've still been working on their craft. They haven't been sitting around going, God, I hope I get that part. And then being stressed and because they're stressed, they can't think and function properly. They're just like, no, cool. Let's, let's go back to the system. Let's go back to the, the, the process. And even like from a, I suppose, more neuroscience-y kind of side of things, there's a a thing called dopamine reward prediction error, yeah. which I'm doing a bit of research on at the moment. For anyone who wants to know more about it, this guy, Dr. Andrew Huberman, he's a great thing, the Huberman Lab podcast, or he has a, a wonderful chat. Well, what I'll get you to do, Connor, is I'll get you to send some of the stuff we talked about tonight. I'll get you to send me some resources. We'll link all this under the podcast. So if people want to find out Amazing. more, they can do so. Yeah. Great. We'll do that. Yeah. So, but anyway, he talks about this dopamine reward prediction error of kind of like essentially, you know, that when you've really high expectations for something and it doesn't quite hit it, you kind of get this, oh, shit, that kind of sucks. That's that kind of drop in dopamine levels, the drop in motivation, the drop in everything. Whereas when you're focused more on the process of something, it's just a constant steady, like, yeah, this is a consistent way of being. Same thing of like how often people have like after a show, post-show blues. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's a huge thing because everyone's like, oh my God, it's the show, I'm doing it. Yeah, amazing. And then the show's done and you're like, oh god really whereas imagine if a show finished like you still love the show you might not feel that absolute unbelievable elation type thing be like i'm loving this i'm enjoying the show so much as soon as the show is done you're like oh god i can't wait to get back to that practice room and discover something new and play and Mm. all that and so you have the sense of yeah it's just a more constant moving forward your body is naturally like it's a system that's within your body that is allowing you to just move forward at a more consistent pace. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That was another brilliant answer, and I think it's going to be—it's just so useful. I think to—I just don't think as a lot of people in the, our industry get to think about stuff. And I think for some reason, like we think of well-being and health as just as I kept saying at the start, like a separate thing that doesn't really apply to the arts. It maybe applies to like you know maybe outside of say you're an actor and you are like or something, and you maybe act during the day, rehearse, and then you go to the gym after acting. Like you think mm-hmm. of that that applies to that maybe small part of your life but you don't maybe think of it applying to the overall process and as you're saying mm-hmm. and I think it's just really interesting for our listeners to sort of hear someone like yourself give this different perspective and it's something I try and like sort of you know filter into the podcast because I 100% believe it as well and like I think you know as we said earlier that like, just looking after yourself is so important it to as you said mm-hmm. be able to express yourself more effectively yeah 100% like and it's going back to the idea of sharpening your axe is your instrument yeah. working at its best and then how can you use your instrument to its best and so it's just learning those systems yeah 100% well I only have a couple more questions for you so don't worry well the two right. sort of format question but there's a question you posted this on your Instagram earlier Connor and I thought I'm going to ask him this because I mean it's I've not ever asked this in the podcast before but I wanted to say what are you what are you proud of oh yeah <laughs> I'm sorry to do that by the way I thought I, I can't no, no, resist absolutely. you're dead right there um <laughs> The thing that's coming up, and I'm going to be honest with the space of men, I'm really proud of the life I've lived. I have made so many mistakes in the past. I have been a dickhead in the past. I have like done things, figured things out, messed things up, all, all of the above. But I've taken the time to go, right, look, how can I move forward? How can I try and find a new opportunity and a way of moving forward and 
just creating something better and I've, I'm quite proud of the person I've become which is a weird thing to say into a podcast and throw into the ether and I'm sure there's people like god it's such an egotistical prick but it's not coming from a, a place of no. like oh my god I'm amazing it is just a, I'm proud of who I am I've I've I, like I said I've made loads of mistakes I've done lots of stupid things but I've, I've really worked hard to try and build a life that I feel put something positive out into the world. Yeah. And that's all I can really ask for. And so I'm, I'm proud. I feel like I'm doing something all right anyway. No, I, I, I think you are. I mean, I've only, this is the second time we technically met, but like you are such a positive mm. person and, and I don't think that would come across egotistical at all. And I, I think it's a nice thing to ask somebody like you highlighted on your Instagram earlier, mm. because we don't talk about ourselves positively because as you say, especially in Scotland and Ireland, which you talked about last time, if somebody starts doing yeah. well, it's sort of like, right, you've got your idea right above your station. Get back yeah. there right now. Who do you think you are? And I think it's, as you were saying, we're talking about positivity and enforcing like processes, mm. but if we're nice about ourselves and we talk about ourselves positively, that's that feeds back into this thing, doesn't it? But a hundred percent, like that's exactly it. And like this is me falling victim to my own things that I know are like that negative self-talk of like you can't say you're proud of yourself. That little you know monster yeah. in the back of my head is starting to kick in. But it's like no, like I'm you know it's it's finding that sense of self-love and pride in who you are and love for who you are I think is so important like to, to find that genuine self-love and like this takes a long time like just as a general thing like I've been going to therapy regularly for about six years now I've worked with a coach I've had loads of conversations I've done so much work on my mental health and I'm still only at the, very much the start of the journey mm. but I am very lucky that I I found a therapist who worked very well for me when I was in in university and started working with her when I'm 19 I'm now 25 and through all that work of while in uni for four years every week consistent and since leaving uni normally doing a couple of weeks taking a couple of months off doing a couple of weeks always checking in I've found the sense of okay well-being of love that I can move forward and put out into the world and there's days where that that isn't there and that's harder to find the thing I'll often do is I like to journal I try and do it as often as I can most evenings I'll kind of just free write all the things that are in my head blah and I always try and end with the sentence I love you you are the reason I get out of bed in the morning that is the last thing I will journal every night because I think to myself, that's the last thought I want to have of the day on a, an evening, no matter what's happened in the day, the day has come to an end. And I want to end that day with just a single thought of love. And when I get that warm feeling, go back to that kind of somatic work, when I get that feeling of, oh, yeah, OK, I'm feeling all right. I'm like, cool. Now is an OK time to go to, to bed to sleep. This is not a bad way to, to end the day. And so I think finding that self-love, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work. But it's a really beautiful thing when you do start to find it. Yeah, no, I think that's, that, thank you as well for being so honest on this podcast as well. I, th- I think this is actually probably one of the, I think actually, I think this is the deepest conversation I've ever had on this podcast before. I'm not going to lie. I don't think there's been a conversation that's quite, we went to this place which I love because this is the sort of podcast I would listen to. So I think mm. it's nice for me to get to be the person actually facilitating it. So thank you for that. Just get a real I have two more questions, which we normally ask every week on the podcast. This has been a bit different, actually, than normal podcast, which is lovely as well, because it's always nice mm. to change the format up and stuff. Mm. Obviously, we, we, the name of the podcast is Just Get A Real Job. We'd all in this industry had to work mm-hmm. jobs we didn't like. So what's the worst, quote, real job or worst part-time job you sort of had to work in your life so far that you maybe hated or was quite funny? So like, I've done a lot of pub work of like, uh, you know, going into the old man pubs and just you know there was a pub I worked back in Cork which I didn't mind it was fine but it was a bunch of a bunch of old men and GAA heads and I was the kind of artsy theatre guy and just didn't click but I remember there was 
have a very clear memory of the most I've hated the work I've been doing. And that was, it was an evening where I was in the pub from about six o'clock to I think it was 11 o'clock or something like that. Just doing a couple of hours there in this kind of old man pub in Cork. And then went from that to a get out of a gig. So when I was, this is like my, one of my first days I'm doing theater tech work. So this is my, so normally they're like, okay, bit of a baptism of fire. You've got to do a get out. That's your first kind of christening into the, the into the, the techie world. And so I started at half 11 at night and finished at half four in the morning. And so I spent whatever those five hours just lifting big, heavy pieces of set and moving things. And I was exhausted and wrecked. And just what was adding to the kind of really annoying bit that was kind of awful was that was a night where a few of my really, really close friends were having a bit of a house party and having a bit of a laugh. And I just couldn't be there because I was working this really late night job. But I do remember... I rocked up to the house at about a quarter to five in the morning uh, and they were still going because mad sesh gremlins. <laughs> and uh, I was in the foulest mood I think I've ever been in my entire life. Then eventually after a couple of minutes, sat down, had a bit of a laugh, had a drink and suddenly all was well with the world. Yeah. But it was, it was, that, yeah. that's, that, that's, that, I remember coming in there and like, I'm never working in tech again. I hate it all. Oh, I was just, yeah, that, that's the thing, the worst experience I've had with work that's not. And even like that tech work is technically theater work. It's within the arts. Mm. I just didn't do it for me. Yeah. See, I love Cotter. Even when I asked you your worst part-time job, you'd made a negative into a positive because you're like, but then I was okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my sort of, the last question I ask is about what people's advice are. And, and obviously this episode, you've given incredible advice. You've been very open about things people can do to improve their day-to-day lives in this industry particularly mm-hmm. but I thought so I thought this question I'd maybe change it slightly I sort of thought what would your advice be to somebody who wants to maybe get into coaching like you do because that's something I've not really mm-hmm. asked you about much about how to get mm-hmm. into this so just quite briefly like what would you sort of maybe say to somebody if they said Connor I'd quite like to get into what you do what would you say to them oh okay yeah so I think if you do want to get into coaching like the first thing that comes to mind is do a lot of work on yourself make sure you're seeing a therapist like I think everyone should go to therapy I think everyone like like the way everyone checks in with a GP or a doctor or does the usual bloods and blood pressure and those kind of things same thing with therapy I think go to the therapist just check in being like how am I doing start to do some of that work and if through doing that self-reflective work you kind of go there's something that's really igniting in me when doing this self-reflective work and seeing the positive effect it has in my life I want to share this with others then coaching could be the thing for you Because what can happen is people get into coaching from a kind of, oh, I know how everything works. I'm great. It'll be fine. And like, that's not always the healthiest thing, especially since it's an unregulated profession. So I just, I would say, do the work on yourself first, really do that inner work of, you know, seeing a counselor, a psychotherapist, something like that. Then after that, maybe do some work with a coach or something like that and being like, do, does this ignite something within me? Does it feel good when I actually really start to look after who I am and look at that more. How do I, yeah, I kind of, you kind of have to lead by example with a lot of the stuff that you do. And like, I don't always, I'm still a very flawed human being. We even saw it here earlier in the podcast. We all are. My own little... No one's perfect. I think even like people, exactly. like people, you know, like yourself who have maybe are, I've learned how to sort of give mm-hmm. advice to other people and, and coach people. Like, you know, I think it's great. People like yourself are honest that you're not perfect either. I think it's the worst when oh. people come on and say, I know everything. I'm perfect. Like, you know, because nah. that's bullshit. No one's perfect. You know, we're all, <laughs> no. you know, we're all figuring it out. We're all yeah. learning new things every single day. And that is okay, isn't it? That's okay as well. That's what that's makes us magic. Yeah. That's where the joy is. Yeah. Like when you find that love of learning and that love of, oh, this is something new. This is something interesting. Like everything's just great. 
Mm. So yeah, I think that do do a lot of that kind of personal work, I think is the best place to start. And then from there, when you start to do a lot of that personal work, you'll start to find a calling anyway. And if coaching and doing that work for others is what calls you, then go for it. You, yeah. There's ways and means, there's degrees, there's qualifications, there's all that jazz. You can then get into it. But I think start with the, start with the self and work out. Yeah. No, brilliant. Connor, thank you so much for this conversation. Genuinely, like this is, I've loved this. I don't have favorites on this podcast, right? I've never said that, but like, this is probably one of the most enjoyable conversations I've ever got to have on this podcast. And I, I genuinely, thank I'm not so just saying that, like, it's just really nice to hear about what you do and like, just to, get, to go to these places. I don't, I feel like I've learned things too. Like, I just think it's going to be a really useful resource for people that have, have listened. So thank you for your time. You so um, just before I let you go as well, do you want to plug like your coaching business and things like that? Like, where can people find you? Where can, we'll link oh, this obviously yes. as well, but yeah. So Cobb Coaching, C-O-B. So I'm Connor O'Boyle, C-O-B, Coaching. That's the Instagram. And then my website is cobcoaching.com which is fun yeah. to say. So they're probably the best places to find me. Yeah. And it'll all be linked in the show notes, but I mean, I've been speaking to you for an hour 20. So I, I mean, I've got to, I've set you Great. free now. I've set you free from Brilliant. the, the, the record, <laughs> but thank you so much. No, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been a wonderful conversation. I've loved it. Well, there you go. That was my conversation with Conor O'Boyle. Thank you again to him for coming on the podcast and chatting to us. That was genuinely an incredible conversation. It was just so nice to listen back to that as well. After the two months of recording it, I was I really enjoyed listening back and it was just such a pleasure to record that one it was a really deep chat and yeah some really inspiring stuff there so i hope you enjoyed it i hope you're taking something away from that that you can apply to your own life and in a positive way and as always as i've said at the start and in the ad break and you're probably sick of me banging on about it, but we're an independent podcast so if you've been enjoying this week's podcast remember to leave us a review on apple podcasts or google podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts and also if you can share the podcast with friends and family or on social media all that stuff really helps us to keep growing word of mouth is our biggest tool to grow and as always as well we have a patreon pay appreciate there's a cost of living crisis at the moment but all the money we make goes back into making this podcast the best podcast that can be me and elliot make this podcast because we love it in perfect honesty we probably made a loss on this podcast we we don't i don't do this for money i don't do this for profit i just do it because i love it and i want to you know have conversations like today's that are inspiring and, and give back but anyway so any money you can afford to donate to that is much appreciated even if it's little as a pound a month but anyway thank you for listening i hope you all have a lovely week and we'll be back again next tuesday with another episode of just get a real job just get a real job